Alright friends, we're going to clean up the story of Hezekiah. We're going to finish off the third chapter. And uh, this chapter is kind of like a, a hit and miss chapter. Um, you know, Hezekiah's been touted as one of the better kings of all time, which is true. And he did have, I think, I, you know, I'm not totally sure, but I did think, do think it was a wobbly moment when he took all the gold out of the, uh, the temple. Uh, the gold ends up in the temple as a gift to the Lord. And so um, it's weird that he, you would take it back to try to save your own skin. But obviously the Lord didn't hold it against him. Um, but now we're going to see Hezekiah's sickness. And then he's also going to have a visitor from Babylon, which it, God's going to use as an opportunity to prophesy about the future of Jerusalem. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is right in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. So uh, we have this scene. Hezekiah is sick. Now, of course, there's like the medicine back then is not great. And people die from sicknesses very regularly. And God sends a, uh, Isaiah to tell the king, set your house in order, which means, you know, decide who's going to be king after you. If you have anything you want to give away while you're alive, give it away now. Uh, make your will. You're not going to get better. And Hezekiah turns to the Lord in humble prayer and sadness. And it's interesting because Isaiah is showing up quite a bit in this section of uh, the story of kings. Isaiah is probably, after Moses, um, the most well-known prophet from the Old Testament. Um, especially he was gifted with uh, prophesying about Christ so much. But he's also, th th these stories give us um, insight into his ministry. He was a courtly prophet, so he could walk into the king's house. He could walk into the king's bedroom to prophesy to him. The king could seek him out. So he was living in Jerusalem, at least during these stories. Um, this is contrasted somewhat with Jeremiah, who also had lots of interactions with the kings, but the king was bad, and so Jeremiah almost always suffered for preaching to the kings of his reign. But in Isaiah's day here, at least with Hezekiah, he is received with faith. And so um, Hezekiah believes the word of God that he's going to die, and he pleads for mercy. So there's even faith here, you know. Verse 4 of chapter 20, And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. And on the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add fifteen years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Bring a cake of figs and let them take and lay it on the boil that he may recover. Okay, so this interesting response. Um, Hezekiah believes the word of the Lord. He weeps in humility and prays, begging to be spared. Before Isaiah even makes it out of the castle, God sends him back. Um, and this is a good reminder that um, God is if, dwells with us in history. He can actually send a prophet say, you're going to die. And, and 
sometimes he'll make clear this is going to happen no matter what. Like when Pharaoh had those dreams about the famine coming. There were two of them, and Joseph rightly said, this is going to happen. You can't pray this away. But in this case, Hezekiah prays away his death, or at least his imminent death. And he gets another 15 years of his life, which is going to essentially double the span of his reign. Remember, he reigned for 29 years, so this gives this is about halfway through his reign, and he gets a double of his reign. And notice again that when Isaiah is talking to Hezekiah, um, the Lord is clear that he's going to defend the city. He's going to do it for his own namesake and for the servant, his servant David. And so God keeps reminding of the big picture of his own glory displayed in the earth and his faithfulness to his promises. And then Isaiah gives some act of faith to do medical advice. I'm not sure about a cake of figs laid on a boil. I don't know tons about that, so I'm not going to speak tons about that. Verse 8, And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me and, what shall, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord on the third day? And Isaiah said, This shine shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do the things that he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or go back ten steps? And I, Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to lengthen ten steps. Rather, let the shadow go back ten steps. And Isaiah the prophet called to the Lord, and he brought the shadow back ten steps, by which it had gone down on the ten steps of Ahaz. Oh man, that's very interesting that Ahaz is mentioned there. I'm just going to try Googling something here. Um, so, so Hezekiah would like a sign to increase his faith. Um, Isaiah gives him some options. And Hezekiah chooses the harder one, obviously. Um, it was so interesting that because Ahaz is not like a good king. Whatever. Maybe this is one of the, the Judah Ahazes who was a good king. No, not a good king. Anyhow, um, so Hezekiah just chooses this harder one to imp improve his faith, and he gets a miracle out of it. And so God has mercy on Hezekiah, remembers his deeds, remembers his faithfulness, and heals him. It's a good thing. It's easy to make a shadow go forward. That's just speeding up time. It's impossible to make a shadow go backwards making it look like time is reversing. So he picks that one. That's wonderful. Verse 12. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. So this, this sickness and recovery facilitates uh, a bad omen event, if you believe in omens, which we don't. 13. And Hezekiah welcomed them, and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his army, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They've come from a far country from Babylon. And he said, And what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They've seen all that is in my house, and there's nothing in my storehouse that I did not show them. So it's an interesting event. Like this this reminds me of the Queen of Sheba coming to visit uh, Solomon a little bit. Um, back in the book of Samuel, one of King David's neighbors was sick. Um, and Or, no, the father died, and David sent mourners to go and mourn the father. And then, remember, they were mistreated, and, and it facilitated a war. Um and so an, an envoy of like, hey, you're better, was sent here. Um, but it looks like it might have been actually to spy out the land a little bit. And so 
Hezekiah does this thing, you know, you show everybody everything. You're giving them the grand tour. Maybe a bit of pride here going on, but it looks like he may have just been showing spies where all the treasures are. Verse 16, Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom your you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you've spoken is good, for he thought, Why not, if there is peace and security in my days? So, again, just a weird prophecy out of nowhere to say that these guys are going to conquer this city, take everything away, and your own offspring are going to be captives in the land of Babylon. And notice how Hezekiah doesn't respond with weeping to this scenario and this kind of reveals a bit of a selfishness here he doesn't respond with weeping with this absolute prophecy of utter devastation he says okay well as long as it doesn't hurt me why not if there's peace and security in my days and maybe he just thinks like i can't control the future or something maybe something like that but it's not a great response to a prophecy of total destruction for the nation he's ruling over um, but it is going to come true all right now let's wrap up Hezekiah's reign. The rest of the deeds of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? Hezekiah slept with his fathers and Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Uh, I don't know if this is meant to be an ominous ending. Manasseh is one of the worst kings ever and was actually born during those 15 years of life that um, King Hezekiah was granted for his prayer. And so it's, it's weird. I don't know if it's meant to signal a change of heart that happened after the sickness or what, but we are, this chapter does capture like a great healing miracle as well as this like foreboding prophecy of complete destruction that the king doesn't intercede with the Lord about. And so uh, one of the things I love about scripture, I may have said this before, is you get true pictures of real people with the exception of like a Daniel um, People in the Old Testament are not presented as idealized heroes. They're presented as real people having real relationships with a real God. And so you see their high points and their low points. And so we have it with uh, Hezekiah, rightly described as one of the best kings ever. A man after David's heart, removing the idolatry, leading people to true worship and showing it through crises where he keeps seeking the Lord in the midst of crises. But he's got feet of clay and he he took the gold out of the temple, and when these envoys of Babylon come and the prophecy of destruction happens, he doesn't pray, which is not good. And thus ends the reign of Hezekiah. Remember, there's no northern kingdom anymore, so we're just in the southern kingdom of Judah, and we're progressing towards the day when a king of Babylon will come and sack the city permanently. The end. <laughs>